you would not believe how hard it was to achieve. It's Rhyme and Reason 648. Hey there, Tony here, and I hope you're having a really good day today. I know most of the country is enjoying the warm benefits of global warming and climate change that has brought about, uh, you know, a, a planet that is maybe too hot as far as that goes, right? Too hot. Yeah. So I know wherever you are, you're probably running the air conditioner a little more than you should. Ease up, ease up. You don't want to freeze everybody out here, right? But, um, you know, if, if you're not enjoying that kind of a day, I hope it gets to that for you pretty soon. I'm going to tell you a little story here that you can sit inside and enjoy the, you know, the air conditioning that we talked about. Uh, 31 years ago this week, on February 16th to be exact, there was a, a beautiful, petite, slender, tan woman who said a word I'll never forget. It changed my life. Of course, I'm, I'm sure I don't have to tell you what that word was, but I'm going to share it anyway. The word was, what? <laughs> just kidding. The word was, yes. Because I had just asked her if she wanted me to stop bothering her. So obviously, you know, the word was yes. (laughs) No, no, okay. Just kidding again. I I had to ask her another slightly different kind of question. And you would not believe what I had to go through to get to that point. Now, I say you would not believe, but, you know, I'm going to tell you anyway, okay? Hang in there. Because this story is a true tale of persistence that paid off. So when people say, you know, you got to have persistence, it's true. It's true. It all began, as stories often do, with a chance meeting. And I say chance because it wasn't planned in any way, shape, or form, and certainly not predestined before the foundation of the world. My four-piece band had just been booked for an entire month in a snazzy Hilton hotel overlooking Pensacola Bay in, wait for it, Pensacola, Florida, and me and the other guys, we were just all excited, naturally, to spend the month of June, which was back in 1985, playing music at night and hitting the beach every day. And by the way, those beaches with sand as white as table sugar and water every shade of blue to green, they're some of the best in America. If you're an avid surfer, Pensacola is not going to light your fire, but there are some of the most beautiful beaches in America. And the rest of that area is just pure coastal delight for that kind of thing. Or it certainly was back then. I haven't been there in a long time, to tell you the truth. But let me get back to the story. Well, that, that all, of course, set the mood for a great month, you know, knowing that we were going to be in that kind of a place. And it was on our first or second night there on a band break. When I spotted a beach babe, I couldn't take my eyes off, but I didn't want to look like a dork. So, of course, I divert my attention anytime there's a chance she'd look in my direction. You know, you got to be cool, right? But I just couldn't keep from watching her move around the room. She served drinks in the hotel's uh, posh first floor nightclub where our band was playing. So, naturally, there were lots of opportunities to stare and I'm a guy, a musician-type guy, and uh, so of course I stared, duh. Well, I mean, I could go on and on with just those kind of details, but I know you want me to get to the good stuff, and so, uh, you know, I'm eager to share that with you, so here we go. I introduced myself 
to this person, this beautiful babe, one night on a break, and she was so easy to talk to. You know, not all beautiful girls are easy to talk to because they're so into themselves, but she was easy to talk to. And she even laughed, you know, probably out of feeling sorry for me when I made a dorky reference to the Chuck Berry song, Maybelline. Oh, that's another thing. Anyway, you had to be there, and I'm glad you weren't. There were a few other bits of casual conversation during my month there in Pensacola, in the Pensacola Hilton, but that was that. Plus, the babe, sad to say, was married. And I had a girlfriend in another city at the time, so, you know, booking ends, band leaves, end of story. Not so fast, because about 10 months later, I was rebooked back into that same Pensacola Hilton. Only that time, I was a solo, and I was booked up in the swanky, intimate nightclub on the 15th floor. It was so cool. And I was booked there as a house act, which meant the booking was ongoing. And they gave me a room, and my room was literally back-to-back on the same wall where I played. In other words, the, the headboard of the bed in the room where I stayed shared the same wall with the nightclub uh, stage. So literally, I could lean against the wall when I was playing music, and I'd be leaning against the same wall that I slept up against in my room. So I think I've made that point clear. Anyway, my commute to work was about 10 yards, a 10-yard walk. But better than all that, on my first night to play, there she was, the babe from the year before. And she worked full-time in the same place I was going to be playing music. Be still my incredibly rhythmic, beating heart. And guess what? She remembered me. And she was just as nice and just as easy to talk to as before. And since we'd be working together a lot, that was going to be a huge plus. And as it turned out, we became friends. Or at least friendly enough to feel like we were friends. And when, you know, the workers, she and the other workers would go out for a drink or head to an all-night dinner after work they would invite me along. Uh, yeah, wasn't going to pass up any opportunities to see more of her, so yeah, I went along. Now, before you start to think ahead to things that you think we might have done, we didn't. And that's in spite of the spark that we both began to notice. But for some ridiculous reason, probably had something to do with paying attention to my moral conduct, I didn't make any attempts to break down her resistance, and she did nothing to cause me to believe her resistance could be broken down. I mean, nothing. We stayed friends only. But here's a little catch, and a little curled-up edge in the protective layer where I saw the potential for an opportunity that could lead to a chance. Yeah, slim, right? That chance that a guy looks for when he believes he's found, uh uh-oh, the one. And that little catch was, I knew her husband, the guy at that time, a part-time conga player and all-around cad, and a 'er ne'er-do-well, and you would not believe how much of a particularly stupid philanderer. I call him that because, well, have you seen your wife? I thought to myself, have you seen her? How could you be this way? I mean, he'd tell me the stories of his escapades, and I'd be 
this is in a place where we would sit while she was working sometimes, and he'd tell his stories, and I'd be thinking, oh, my goodness, her? You did that to her? Oh. Anyway, so I knew, well, I mean, I believed in my soul, that that stupid conga player would eventually mess up his marriage beyond repair, and that's in spite of his wife's willingness to continue to try and work things out. And by the way, that's part of what appealed to me about her. She still believed in working on a marriage, and she lived out that belief. And this was to a guy who did not deserve it. So I decided before I left my Pensacola booking for good that I I wanted to be with her, or at least somebody exactly like her. So that meant her, because nobody's exactly like her. You know, I didn't know of anybody who was, okay? And with that belief firmly established in my brain, I wrote a birthday card and a note to her a month after I left to hit the road. And I addressed it to the Hilton, you know, in her name, and she got it. And she later told me it made quite an impression with her fellow workers. So, you know, then every once in a while, I'd write another short note and mail it to her in care of the hotel. I carried on like that for almost three years. Uh, Keep in mind, these weren't love letters. In fact, I usually just sent funny cartoons that I designed or quizzes that I came up with or drawings of some kind. And uh, it wasn't to profess love and adoration. I'm not that weird. It was just to stay on her radar and help her get to know my incredible sense of humor. And, you know, that way she'd know I wasn't just another incredibly handsome Adonis. You know, you got to look beyond just the skin deep, right? And only once in a great while would she actually reply to one of my letters. Yeah, I mean, it was rough, I'm telling you. And then when she'd write to me, it was only to tell me to stop writing or to tell me I should find someone in my own town. Well, the trouble was, for those three years, my own town, with air quotes around it, changed about every week or two. But finally, though, I got off the road and I landed in Denver, Colorado, in the metro area anyway, and I wrote to that girl in Pensacola to let her know I was off the road. And she wrote to tell me that she wanted to get with me and she craved me. No, she didn't. She wrote to tell me that, well, now you should be able to find somebody local. (laughs) So again, she's, you know, signing off, so to speak. So I did. I finally and reluctantly gave up, except to send a Christmas card or some sort of card. I don't remember which. But anyway, I basically gave up and that was that. But then, a couple of months passed, and I received a letter from Pensacola. Yeah, it was from her. And in it, she said if I was still interested, her divorce had been finalized several months before. Hmm, mysterious. And she said she'd been thinking about me because of all those cards, letters, and notes. So, score one for the persistent paperwork. Mm -hmm. She said that... I could call if I still wanted to, and she included her phone number. So, you know, I played it cool. I waited a while. Mm -hmm. She's going to have to wait. I waited till after lunch and called. And our phone call turned into another and another and so on. And this is back when long-distance calls could be a hard hit to the old budget. And our phone bills racked up into triple digits. Mm -hmm. And this is way back when, in, you know, the dark ages. But uh, I also started writing her more, every day, in fact, for months, 
sometimes two and three letters a day, until one day we decided that I should go to Florida and see her. That's where she was still. So I hocked a keyboard and bought a plane ticket and flew to Pensacola where I spent a few days discovering the amazing woman I figured that she'd be. And she lived in the lower half of a house on Perdido Bay that she and her parents bought together. And one of her one of her five sisters lived right next door. So I got to meet the whole family on that trip. And in addition to her five sisters, there were also two brothers, about 19 kids, for, that would be the grandkids, the siblings' wives and the husbands, and even friends of the family. And I think they all wanted to see this long-haired mountain man who'd come to call. And it was really, really something. But after that, a few months, uh, I don't know, I guess a couple months after that, she came to visit me in the Denver area on her way to California for uh, another visit with friends out there. And by that time, of course, she was obviously hopelessly hooked. And she knew, whether she'd ever admit this or not, there would or could be no other for her. So, on my final visit to her place in Pensacola, who says long-distance relationships don't work, huh? Uh, A couple of months later, I offered her the opportunity to spend the rest of her life with me. What an opportunity for her, right? And she said that one word I mentioned at the start of this story. She said yes. That was on August 7th, 1989, when I asked her. And on February 16th, now has uh, 31 years ago, in 1990, we both said yes, and we've been together the whole 31 years since. I can't speak for myself, but I can say she feels totally blessed by it all. And because she does, I wrote her a song somewhere around our second anniversary, and it goes a little something like this. Summer in those eyes I know they hide no lies That gaze behind the lace Takes me to a faraway place Where day is never done We chase the midnight sun And raise the golden child To just be on the bend 
Okay, believe and begin. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Yeah, a lot of times anyway. So don't think that uh, just because there's distance between you and someone you might would like to be with, maybe even forever, don't think that that's a, an, a challenge you can't overcome because it can be done. I'm living proof and it's still working out. Thank you so much for tuning in to Rhyme and Reason. I'm Tony, your host from TonyFunderberg.com where you should go over there, get that t-shirt on that merch tab that says, Life has rhyme and reason because God made you. There's a rhyme.